This is Texas Soccer Radio. Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Esto es Texas Soccer Radio. This is Texas Soccer Radio. Another week, another fun, fun time. Talking about some soccer, talking about some beer, talking about some, I don't know, you see any good movies lately? <laughs> Not yet. I, I still need to go see Deadpool, and now we got Solo to go see, and same, yeah, whole mess with we'll now. this weekend. We'll see. But this is Texas Soccer Radio. My name is Kyle Makey. His name is Larry Leathers. Um, we have a lot of fun here. We talk a little bit about soccer. We talk about a little bit about whatever we want um but we are very proud to talk about the fact that we are members of the beautiful game network uh bgn thank you to them for all the support that they provide if you go to our website texassoccerradio.com it'll take you to our bgn site you can actually listen to the podcast version of this show right there um also thanks to our sponsor roughneck scarves official scarf supplier to mls usl and u.s soccer Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. It's spelled R-U-F-F, neckscarves.com. So, here we are. Um, fun times this week, Larry. <laughs> yeah, it's been a hell of a week. Last night was a hell of a night. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, let's, uh, let's jump into Saturday first. Um, significantly less fun. <laughs> one-one draw against Tulsa for San Antonio FC that uh, you know before the game a lot of people at the tailgate a lot of people on social media were saying that that game was a must win so how do you feel coming out of that one-one well I, I I went in there saying three zero Tulsa so that pretty much tells you or three zero we would win over Tulsa right. that pretty much tells you everything you need to know about how I feel with the result um, for a game that we absolutely dominated possession in and had so many good chances that we just pissed away <laughs> and and didn't get it done that night. I mean, obviously walking away with a point's good, but three points would have been way better. Yeah. Um, it's better than the loss, but it's, uh, it was really interesting vibe after the game, uh, talking to the coaches and players and everything. It felt like a loss, like the way that they were talking about it, the way they were carrying themselves. Um, we had a couple of players kind of leave, in a little bit of hurried fashion, <laughs> not necessarily looking super thrilled, um, which I don't blame them, but 1-1 draw to get you a point against Tulsa. Um, Ryan Felix records a yellow card, which puts him on accumulation caution right there with Darnell King, um, who you definitely heard him announced as Bernard King at the Open Cup game, right? Was that yep. a thing that we both heard? Yeah, we've got Bernard <laughs> King on our team now. <laughs> I don't know what position he plays or who he is, but he's on our team. Oh, my God. Um, so Ryan Felix and Darnell King are uh, both on yellow card accumulation for USL play. One more yellow, and they miss a game and a $200 fine. Um, the goal came from Omar Gordon, which, um, you know, that's one positive to take away from that match is the biggest knock against Gordon has been his lack of scoring in, uh, in San Antonio. So, you know, what do you feel about getting Gordon a goal there, seeing Gordon get a goal? 
Well, I mean, that was back-to-back goals for him then um, because the previous Wednesday he scored a goal as well to open the scoring up in the Open Cup that night. Um, so it's good to see see Gordon finding a groove, and I, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of him in the future here, especially yeah. with some of the injuries and stuff we've got going on. He's just so much fun to watch, man. Like, he's so good on the ball that, you know, if he's able to consistently get a goal here and there, he's – going to be it's going to be him and Escalante and Connor Presley is going to be fighting to get back into the rotation there um Kyle Murphy and Ethan Bryant out of nowhere we'll talk about him in a minute but um you know that the outside midfield position for San Antonio is absolutely stacked right now um so that was good to see but unfortunately they did concede a goal in the 54th minute is that right yeah and it was just a rocket of a goal from Rivas that night like yeah Restrepo didn't even have a chance to get it like it was a hell of a kick (laughs) it really was it's frustrating because that's their leading scorer like that's the guy that you're not supposed to leave open (laughs) like you you can't let that happen um and you know they played really solid first half they played a pretty all right back half of the second half um, but for the first few minutes they're coming out of halftime they just weren't where they needed to be and uh, Rivas made him pay for it and ended up dropping two points at home unfortunately yeah it's it's disappointing and it seems to be a theme this year is all the opportun- missed opportunities with goal scoring either we're going to hit the crossbar we're going to go right over the top you know whatever it may be there's been so many good opportunities, not just in this game, but overall that yeah. just aren't being taken advantage of. They're, you know, a few inches away on a cross cross pass or something from from being something magical. Well, I don't have a ton to say about this game, to be honest with you. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to jump in with, with Tulsa? No, I mean, it wasn't a particularly impressive game overall. There's just not a whole lot to say about it other than Gordon's goal. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess it was interesting to see Mikey Lopez get the start over Rafa. Um, kind of a weird situation where Mikey is the leading scorer on the club, but uh, hasn't been starting USL matches. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's a trend that we're going to see going in Reno again, uh, or, you know, if that was just a one game thing to get Rafa some rest. He came in in the 70th minute. Um, but yeah, just interesting trying to find a place for Mikey Lopez there. Yep, for sure. Um, it'll be this week's lineup could be interesting. Yeah. With some of the stuff we saw this week. Yeah, good. Um, so just going over USL standings real quick. Um, in the West, we've got Salt Lake City, Phoenix, and Sacramento with 25, 21, and 21 points each. Uh, in fourth place, we've got T2 with 20 points. Fifth place, Orange County with 17. Sixth place, Swope Park with 16. Seventh place, Colorado Springs with 14 points. Also with 14 points, San Antonio FC in eighth place. St. Louis and Reno in ninth and tenth place all have 14 points. Um, one little note there, though, is that San Antonio has only played 10 games, and Colorado, who is above them thanks to the wins tiebreaker, Uh, has played 12 games. So they do have two games in hand. And um, I know there's a few people out there that are a little concerned about this season, but there's a lot of time left. Uh, You know, we've gotten through less than a third of the season uh, and San Antonio is hanging in there 
right in the middle of the pack. So still a lot of, a lot of time to play. Can't drop points at home like they did, but uh, lots of time left for sure. The Open Cup's been encouraging, though. And if, if we can start bringing some of that magic from the Open Cup and some of the play we've seen on the field um, over to the USL games, then I'm not that concerned. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that Open Cup. Um, you know, we saw the 4-0 victory last week in Midland. Um, that's what you're supposed to do against a lower division side, right? But um, this week we saw a 1-1 draw where San Antonio came away 5-4 on PKs against Colorado Springs. Um, nail biter <laughs> throughout. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the rare games where we were actually sitting next to each other. So that was fun. And we'll be doing that for the next round as well. We got our tickets already. So um yeah, let's let's look at this starting 11 first for San Antonio. You've got Matt Cardoni in goal, which, you know, that's pretty standard, right, is to have the backup keeper starting for the cup games, um, especially when you got a guy like Cardoni. But then the back line, you've got Cyprian Hedrick at right back again, then Stephen McCarthy, Chris Christian, and Greg Cochran uh, over there on the left. Um, and then in the midfield – Gianluca Cuomo, Rafa Castillo, Maxi Rodriguez, Omar Gordon on the wing, and Ethan Bryant played on the wing. Um, and then Mike Seth as the lone striker up there. What did you think about this? <laughs> I think we both – you were you, – you had left to go get beer. You came yeah, back. Not like me. Yeah. No. <laughs> you left to get beer. You came back, and, and the lineup had gotten posted, and – the arrangement it got in po- got in posted and you know i think we all thought you know we were going to see ethan bryan up top and 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 probably not out on the wing and then sure enough there was some surprises hiding in there with mike seth up top um was not expecting that yeah <laughs> not in the least god but it seemed to work it seemed to work yeah Can't complain. Um, I, I prefer him up there than back at a defender i'll say that yeah I disagree about that, honestly. Um, I actually think he's a better fullback than a lone striker so far anyway. Maybe the uh, lone striker is the issue, but like up in that attacking role, I see more potential for him than back as, on defense. He's just not very fast relative to the other guys. Like He's a huge body and a huge target, but it's like he needs to turn on the boost or something. I, I don't know how you fix that. See, but that's the thing. When we've got guys like Ethan Bryan up front, which – Obviously, we're going to talk about him, but he's a small dude. Like he's sixteen. Like, what are you going to do about it? Like, he's got to. He's still got some growing left to do there over the next few years. Like, he was he was getting towered over by everybody last night. You need some people up front there that can you know push some people around between Seth and Gordon up there. Yeah. I'm a lot less worried about how physical the game's getting. I mean, I leaned over and said it when it happened, but when Bryant drew that penalty and Rafa converted. You know, we were both like, well, that's going to help. Like, you're going to need that. And sure enough, there wasn't another goal scored from San Antonio from open play for the rest of the match. So um, not, you know, you you come out and you advance, and that's all that matters. But obviously not a great sight for the San Antonio attack with that formation. Um, the the I do want to talk about Ethan Bryan. I know we keep talking about him, but before we get there um, – I don't, I don't understand Cyprian Hedrick um, playing right back. He, um, 
you know, he came in as a center back. He's played center back primarily in USL from what we've seen. And um, he just, it's like you miss a beat when he's at right back as opposed to King or Seth or even some of the midfielders that we've seen there, like last year, Marco Jong or Maxi Rodriguez or Pekka even. Um, and, you know, he's been on the podcast, super nice guy. And I don't mean anything personal, obvious, but um, it's just kind of interesting to see him keep lining up as a right back. I mean, and, and that kind of plays into those interesting lineup decisions because we had, we had uh, Maxi up as a midfielder in the center, a center midfielder in the game. And yeah, you're, you're right. Maybe he probably should have been at the right back position. Um, but the pairing of Hedrick and Gordon seemed to work. Um, That's fair. They, they were working well together last night in that game. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, that pairing, maybe if it was a different pairing, I'd feel differently. But I think the Hedrick and Gordon pairing works in a lot of yeah. ways. Um, they complemented each other really well last night with moving the ball around the field. They always seemed to know exactly where the other person was. And you didn't see a whole lot of miscommunication on that side of the field between those two there. So as far as that game goes, I think that pairing was okay. I don't know where it goes in the future, but yeah. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. I, I was looking more of him as an individual, but he did play pretty well with Omar Gordon, and they they connected fairly well on that right side. Um, I let's just go for it. Ethan Bryant, man, he was uh, best player on the field there for a little while, in my opinion. Well, I mean, first professional match, sixteen years old, a product of the system, and. He's coming out and playing all 120 minutes in this game in his first game out there. Hey, man, when you're 16, you better go for 120. Like, you've got, oh. you know, Rafa that's 88 years old and, you know. Oh. Yeah, it's, it was yeah, cool. It's insane. It's insane. Um, yeah, doing his job, going out there, earning that penalty kick and, and Rafa converting on that one. Um, absolutely amazing. I still don't know when we're going to see more of Bryant. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this was a great showing for him, and I feel like it was a great push for, for time. I still don't necessarily see him getting in as anything other than, you know, a sub in the 18. Yeah, for USL play, especially for a 16-year-old, um, you know, he is on an amateur contract, on an academy contract, and so I don't see – you know, I could be totally wrong on this, but I don't see them taking him across the country to, you know, Seattle or Reno this weekend or, or wherever the road trips are. Um, but maybe we'll see him in the 18 for USL play. Um, based on the lineups that we've seen for Open Cup through the two games uh, versus the lineups that we see for USL play, it seems like USL play is where the focus is. Um, as far as getting the best 11 on the field or what we view as the right. best 11 anyway. Um, but I will say hell of a debut. <laughs> like he, he played really solid for most of the time. Not perfect. There were, you know, some mistakes from everybody, but, um, you know, a lot better than I expected, honestly, from any 16 year old, not just him. You know, and I, I can't necessarily peg that, you know, the 16-year-old thing plays into it with him making cross-country trips and going going in the lineups on that sort of stuff when you've got Galaxy 2 pegging away with a 15-year-old putting up Alvarez monstrous, yeah, monstrous goals out there. Like, yeah, anything's possible at this point, but without some sort of injury 
happening. I don't see, think we see him again outside of anytime soon, at least outside of, uh, you know, U.S. Open Cup play. Yeah, I'm, I think we're on the same page about not seeing him outside of Open Cup for a little while anyway, but the midfield's pretty deep. It's an interesting point, though, that you bring up about lineups and maybe saving our best 11 for USL play and, and leaning that way. I think you've got to change that mindset now. We're going into the fourth round. We've got FC Dallas coming to Toyota Field. It's time to time to throw down and put your best lineup out there and 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 yeah. make a showing and keep advancing. Like it's this this is the hump. You get over the hump and then yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see San Antonio play someone besides Houston in Open Cup. Um and I'm really excited that it's going to be a Toyota Field. But uh, I think drawing FC Dallas is probably the worst of the two that were possible Um, because every year Dallas tends to take the open cup very seriously and we could see some of their best players, even in the fourth round, whereas other MLS clubs, a lot of times it'll be uh, kind of their USL side and then a couple other MLS bench players. I think we'll probably see a full power Dallas squad. So good. Uh, yeah, I good. Mean, <laughs> that's what I want. Good. And I don't want to be the pessimist here, but if that's the case, do you run your starters out there in a game where, you know, it, Cincinnati beat Schweinsteiger last year and, and beat the Chicago Fire in a really spectacular game with a lot of their starters? But I think, anyway, they played Chicago. I think they beat them. Yeah. Anyway, my point being, like, it's possible that they win, but if if not like is it worth it to use all of your best players and have them tired for usl play or worse yet hurt or, or otherwise unavailable okay let, let me put this one out here for you so we play this saturday the 26th against reno we play june 2nd on saturday against portland timbers too then we play the 6th against Dallas and then they get 10 days before the next game 10 days yeah but that run up before it is hard um and I haven't looked but when is the fifth round like is um, they- I think it's not until July I think it's the first week of July we'll look that up but yeah I see what you're saying there's there's a lot of time in between it's just I don't know, man. I We were watching those PKs last night together, and I was getting really into it, yelling and cheering. And, you know, you leaned over and were like, I thought the Open Cup didn't matter. And <laughs> I'm so torn because in the moment, it's so much fun. Um, but I want the USL Cup in San Antonio. Like, I, I don't. I don't want to be Cincinnati and play a couple rounds in the Open Cup and then burn like be burnt out for the usl season you know? okay i i was wrong the next game is june 20th that's still a while it's june 20th and then then it's a full month before the next one the quarterfinals uh don't start until july 18th obviously Good we gotta finals. get past dallas so yeah well in that case yeah maybe you do trot your your best guys out there i know the run-up's rough because and you're yeah the run-up's a little rough but you got 10 days to recover 10 days to recover before that next game. So like you may as well, you may as well give it a shot, especially if Dallas is going to bring a full powered team down. 
I would think we'd still probably see Cardoni in goal. Um, I don't know this for sure. I, I kind of want to ask next time I get a chance to go to training, but um, you know, in, in other teams and other competitions, you've seen backup goalkeepers go all the way through to the final. So, um, you know, it, it sucks for Cardoni, the whole situation where he ended up as a second stringer, but you know, maybe that's his, his time to get some minutes under his belt is with the cup, no matter how deep it is. You're pr- I, yeah, I'm on board with that. I think we probably see Cardoni run the gamut here. And if, if we make it, if we were to make it all the way through, yeah, it's going to probably be the Cardoni show for most of this run. My biggest thing is you have to have <laughs> Bernard King. on the. <laughs> you have to have Darnell King on the field. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how, like, do you really play him and Cochran both the same amount and just hope like they're both Ironman and able to go the distance and everything else? Because when they're both on the field, it's so dangerous. Like they have such an attacking presence and we've seen King play as an attacking winger in this competition. Yeah. Um, until they brought in, who was it? Escalante. That was the last sub. Um, when King came in the 65th minute, he came in for Omar Gordon and played up there until Escalante came in and then he shifted back uh, and played his natural right back. Um, you have to have King on the field, man. He's been, he's been arguably the player of the year, in my opinion, so far for San Antonio. What, what did I say last night? I'm, going, I'm, I'm off tomorrow. Maybe that's what I'm going to do tomorrow on my day off is go to the soccer factory and finally get my jersey with, there you go. with King's name and number on the back. Uh, I'm all no. aboard the King train here. He's been so good, man. He's a monster. He's an absolute monster out there. I and worry. I'm... Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I worry about, you know, is this Sebastian Biaga all over again where, you know, he's such a dominant player and catching so many eyes that we're going to see him move away next season. But hopefully, we, hopefully he's here for the long haul. Jesus, can so... you imagine Ibiaga and King together at NYCFC? Beast one, man. <laughs> that defensive well, line. And we Holy didn't hell. plan we didn't plan on talking about this tonight, but Patrick Vieira might be leaving NYCFC to go manage uh another team in Europe, whether it be well, it's not Arsenal anymore, but um so I wonder what that means for Ibiaga's playtime in New York, but we'll have to see how that goes down. But does he um, get I mean he's he's started what four games? Seven, he's in the eighteen yeah. a lot. Like he's only started three or four games for them. Yeah. He's in the 18 a lot. I mean, I wouldn't complain if they wanted to send him back down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you could uh, pry him out of NYCFC's hands lately. He's almost always in the 18. Yeah. Um, and he is starting pretty frequently. I think he's got a good chance of being a starter as a center back next year, um, whether it be with New York or another MLS team, but good for him. Anyway, um, King has been a beast, and I hope in this Dallas game, we'll talk more about specific lineups next week. I know we had a couple people, um, I'm going to pull up the names here. We had a couple people write in asking about what we thought as far as lineups go for uh, that FC Dallas game. We're going to talk about that next week since the game isn't until June 6th. So we'll actually have another podcast taping before then. So um, speaking of Twitter, Maximiliano says we survived open cup spot kicks. Oh my God. <laughs> we a reserve squad for league match prior to the open cup match. Um, so 
what do you think, Larry? Do we play a reserve side for the USL match and then go full on in the Open Cup? Do we reverse that? Do we play full power both ways? Because it's T2, it's, right? That's, that's it's T2. And they're, yeah, they're not a pushover team this year by any means. So I mm. – Yeah, right? This is the conundrum. You got a lot of rest afterwards, but you got to get there still. I don't know. Like, yeah, T2's looked really good this year. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, and I'm sitting here saying T2 looks really good this year when their last game they they put up seven goals against LA Galaxy 2. Yeah, that'll that'll do all right. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, no. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it's I, I what did I say at the beginning of the season? I thought we were going to see a lot of rotations and a lot of people getting rest and maybe that's just what you do is you you see you leave a few starters in rotate a few out every game now for this stretch until you get your 10 days of rest after the open cup game i just yeah. don't see how you can not commit to a full squad against what's probably going to be a full squad from dallas <laughs> you yeah. you do, you don't want what happened the last time we made it to the fourth round <laughs> it happened again because that was embarrassing out in what Houston. Was it, that was, yeah, and, it was four yeah. zero three zero four zero something like that. It was it was bad, and I went did out we, to that game. <laughs> did we have a player get hurt too? Like got his foot caught on the turf and jacked up his leg. I can't remember who it was now. I want to say you're right, but I don't remember who. Yeah. Oh my god, that was too long ago. Regardless, and Houston marched out of, if I remember correctly, marched out a fairly strong squad that year too. So, um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think you can sleep on this U.S. Open Cup game. It'd be interesting to go back and look at look at that game and see if I can, if we can figure out uh, what kind of. If I can't remember who started, like, it, did we go full power that game or not? In 2016, I'm gonna Google it real quick uh, versus Houston. I don't know why I'm talking out loud as I type. Uh, <laughs> radio. Um, yeah, it's it was so long ago. And that was that year where everything was still kind of coming together as far as like players and they didn't have, you know, a lot of time to get everything together. Oh my God, man. Here's a throwback. You ready for this starting 11? Okay, let's see this thing. Do it. Josh Ford. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then the center backs were Sam McBride and Stephen McCarthy. Fullbacks are Greg Cochran and Milton Palacios. Uh, and then in the midfield, we had Michael Reed, Danny Garcia. I think he was the one that got hurt. I think Garcia got hurt. Um, but Michael Reed, Danny Garcia, Carlos Alvarez, Rafa Castillo, and then Jason Johnson and Sean Chin. Oh, shit. Maybe it was Sean Chin. Let me see the times on these. Yeah, well, anyway. So that there's sounds a, there's a few swat there's a few people in there that were clearly reserves but there's a it's a mix i was gonna say the opposite i was gonna say that's pretty much the starting was it 11 at the time i'm trying to think of who else wouldn't have been there um bobby mosley i think was available maybe he wasn't here yet i think he came in shoot i don't remember i feel like this is a pretty full strength squad for 2016 it's definitely the starting goalkeeper yeah. which is 
interesting, but um, yeah. And then looking at Houston, it was, <laughs> you know, DeMarcus Beasley and you got Alex in there. And yeah, a few, a uh, few familiar names for sure. But I don't know, man, I think the goal is to win the USL cup and if the open cup happens, it happens, but I, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's just when the, what have we wanted it this year? We've got an MLS team coming to yeah. San Antonio with probably a full strength squad. Roll out your starters, get it done. Yeah. See what you got. Do it. I always, I say this every year and I need to just learn to not to, but can you imagine a USL team winning now and making it to CONCACAF champions league with that bid? Like, that would be unheard of. Like it's been 20 years, 20 plus years since yeah. Rochester won. So uh, that would be amazing. Um, Dennis Lamb says, uh, who should start for the open cup game against FC Dallas? We're going to go over that um, next week since we do have another podcast before that game, but we will jump into that for sure. Um, Tomas Clark says, are we looking to bring in reinforcements, little light on winger and fullback depth? Um, I think San Antonio's philosophy in general has always been, if there's a quality player available, they're going to try and get him. Um, even if he is in a position where they're pretty solid anyway, (laughs) um, I would point to Kyle Murphy on that. He's primarily a winger and Lord knows there's plenty of those. So um as far as fullback depth san antonio has never rolled with a lot of fullbacks um in 17 it was just cochran and newnham right i don't think there was a third that yeah that was probably wasn't because then it was uh sip and ojo and all those guys so um the the way that the fullbacks play with san antonio it's so vertical that they're basically playing as uh wing backs almost like they're everyone on the squad has to defend so that's not really an issue um it's more of can they keep up with the attacking side of it and that's why part of why uh you know milton palacios struggled a little bit in 2016 and and uh ben newnham was a little more solid but then he lost his job to marco jong at the end of the season so um yeah i don't think we'll see any depth there Definitely not at center back. We've got a ton of those in San Antonio. Funny enough, I saw – I wish I could remember. I, I should have written down who was tweeting about it, but asking if there was a possibility we tried to bring Frank back. Yeah, somebody did say that. Where was that? Um, maybe. I mean, anything's possible. He's playing for FC Wichita. Um, they lost their match in the Open Cup this week. I think one of the interesting things about FC Wichita is that he's not the only Taiyu on that team. His older brother is actually a defender on that team as well. So I don't know how well they'll be able to pry him away from playing with his brother. Um, But his indoor season doesn't start up again until like late October. So there's, that's always been a big holdup with, uh, with playing for SAFC or probably any USL team is he's very committed to, his indoor play and let's be honest here he is a monster down there an absolute monster he's the leading goal scorer down there in in indoor arena soccer um 
yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to pull him away from that. I think it's a possibility, but I don't necessarily know that Powell's knocking, you know, banging on the door trying to get it done right now. I I don't think Frank Tai will ever be in San Antonio again as long as uh you know the current current management is in place. He came here at the beginning of 2017. They built a squad assuming that he was going to be the lone striker and then he fucking bailed on him. And yeah. um you know it <laughs> and when I say he bailed on him, it, he wasn't willing to commit fully to being on the team that was paying him. He wanted to play the rest of his indoor season when USL season was starting out so he wasn't I don't think we even saw him before 2017 like I don't think he even made it to training camp um no he never showed up to training camp and I mean the overlap is pretty large I want to say the arena team their championship is in mid mid to early April so he would have been coming in he would have missed you know a handful of games here he would have missed all of training camp here um, there's only, I think there's only one team that's in that arena league that's from outside the United States and that's the one he's on that plays yeah. from Mexico. Yeah. Um, so it's not even just, it's probably a travel issue too with trying to make it happen and, and do both. Yeah. And he ended up in, in Richmond, uh, in 2017 and, and he's not there anymore. So I I don't know if there's personal feelings there or not. I'm not trying to put something there that isn't, but just from the outside looking in, they announced him. They made it sound like he was coming back. They had his t-shirt on sale at the soccer factory until like yesterday. <laughs> so uh, not literally yesterday, but um, you know, they, they went into 2017 expecting Taiyu to be there and he never showed up literally. So um, I, I, can't imagine he comes back sorry to whoever sent that in i can't find it now it, it I wasn't know. i don't remember i don't think it was a direct tweet at us it was oh we're just, just a, from twitter <laughs> we were pulled in and yeah i just pulled it in there because they had tagged a couple people in it and asking if anybody thought he would come back and we won in this conversation i think it's relevant at least a little bit <laughs> yeah i i can't see him ever coming back personally but um, speaking of Twitter, we did have a poll this week, poll for tonight's podcast. When do you think MLS teams should enter the U.S. Open Cup? Um, I put before round three, round three, round four, which is where they come in now, or after round four. Um, the controversy that kind of prompted this was that um, for round four, every round three winner is paired with an MLS team. Um, so we were talking before we realized that about the possibility of San Antonio playing North Texas Rayados instead, but um, got, got Twitter a little worked up when <laughs> that uh, regulation was brought to light. So uh, what do you think, Larry, before we get to the results here? I, I, I voted in this poll and it was before round three. I um, yeah, no, I think they should probably come in earlier. I know that they cater to them a little bit because of scheduling and, and, and that sort of stuff, because obviously MLS is our division one league here in the United States. They're, they've got other priorities, although I just don't think it's necessarily fair to not bring them in earlier. I think we should probably have more teams entering earlier doing same thing, geographic draws, but with larger groupings and let them fight it out early. Cause wouldn't it be cool if, 
it was the third round, you know, third round, second round, and some, you know, PDL team managed to go in there and knock off FC Dallas or something right. like that. Like that'd be cool. I don't know. Yeah. They could expand. It would bring more relevance to the to the the tourney as well if you brought those MLS teams in, teams in earlier because then you'd hopefully get their fan bases involved more and maybe some of that uh surplus money <laughs> involved with uh making the US Open Cup a bigger deal here in the United States. So one of the things that um was put out there and I'm not changing the subject. I'm just trying to find That's the okay. actual thing I'm referencing here is um there it is. Todd Kaiser put out uh, a gif of Dr. Phil being shocked. And he said, uh, your reaction when people who you've never seen discuss SAFC start saying they want to go to a match because an MLS club is coming to town. Um, and I said, that's exactly why the third round winners are matched with MLS teams. It's, uh, you know, maybe not so much in San Antonio just because we're so far from Dallas and Houston, but for a lot of these lower division clubs, being able to host an MLS team is going to fill their stadium, uh, is going to bring in a lot more money for one match and you know get people interested. It's the same thing as having Manchester United play at Soldier Field um, and you know then Chicago Fire claiming that they sold out Soldier Field, but yeah. uh, we'll get to that a little later. <laughs> but uh, it's the same thing of when you have a team that has a little bit more of a footprint and you can sell more tickets, that benefits the lower division club if they're hosting, usually. Um, as far as the competition side of things, I wish it were truly open and everyone came in in the first round and just took it from there. That's how I wish it was. So I didn't vote in this, but I think I would have gone before round three as well, but um, you know, I, I think I kind of get why they might do that from the business side of things, but from the competition side of things, which it is sports, that's supposed to be most important, right? Um, it it kind of sucks, but as far as the poll goes, uh, before round three was the winner, 45%. Round three came in at 35%. Round four, which is how it is, is 15%. And later came in at 5%. And one theory that I saw for later that I thought was interesting, I think I saw it on Reddit, was having the MLS teams who didn't make the playoffs come in at a separate point than the ones who did make the playoffs. Oh, um, interesting. So like you're, you're basically like making them earn their way further into the cup. So like a team like, Houston or, or Seattle this year, um, you know, that's not doing great. Seattle this year in particular is not doing great in MLS, but if they win the open cup, then they get a champions league spot. Um, so if you, you know, put more incentive on making the MLS playoffs that, you know, could, could benefit everybody, but you know, it's an interesting take. Never I mean... too complicated. Right. <laughs> It, that's an interesting take for later because I would not have pegged later, but that, that'd be an interesting way to do it for sure. Yeah. Anyway, so that was that for the Open Cup poll. Thanks for everybody who voted. And thanks for everybody who wrote in on Twitter. Um, that was fun. Oh, man, I should have looked at my should have looked at my notes because I meant to talk about this first. Um, FC Wichita had their stuff robbed. Uh, and I am genuinely sorry for not talking about this until 40 minutes into the podcast. This was literally the first thing on our list here. Um, 
they were playing North Texas Riados in DFW and um, they had their phones, money, travel documents and passports stolen from the locker room while they played. Um, Terrible, terrible situation. And uh, I hope the best for them. There is a GoFundMe page out there that's being run by the Wichita supporters, I believe. Yes, the supporters um, group put a, put together a GoFundMe. I think their goal is twenty thousand dollars because yeah. that's what the estimate was to replace everything. Um, they're still taking inventory on exactly everything that was taken away. Um, I did see an interesting point brought up about this though, and that this GoFundMe may be a bad thing. Yeah. Um, apparently they've got players on that team that are currently in college and NCAA, NCAA eligibility requirements may make it impossible for them to get paid. And if they do collect money out of this, then that could affect their eligibility on the college level. And we know how messy dealing with the NCAA is when it comes to payments and gifts and things like that. So I don't know if that's a road they want to go down. Um, Maybe they'll yeah. be able to get it all back insurance-wise, you know, claiming insurance-wise. So hopefully that's the case. I'm kind of holding off on the GoFundMe, to be honest with you, for now. Um, only because I want to see... They're, they're doing the criminal investigation right now. And so I'm hoping they're able to get all of that back through insurance and, you know, everything is legit that way. Um, and obviously, if they can't, I'll contribute to the GoFundMe and, yeah. and do what we can. But... Uh, hopefully they're able to get that settled without crowdfunding. Uh, it shouldn't come to that, man. Shouldn't come to that for every fucking thing in America. But, um, ooh, gonna get off that soapbox real quick. Um, <laughs> anyway, hopefully everything works out for Wichita. And if they do end up relying on this GoFundMe, please consider donating to that. Um, but just full transparency, I'm holding off until we see how things work out for them. Uh, the biggest thing, though, that sucks is the passports, man. Like, yeah. there's some countries where you have to go back to the country to get it. You can't just go to the embassy, and that's that's awful. Hopefully, they can get by for the next few months as they deal. I mean, but you can't travel back to the country without your passport. Like, it's it's insanely complicated. There's going to be have to be a lot of embassy work going on there to make that happen for those guys. Fucking Riados is such a clown show, man. Like their social media account. Last time I checked, I I stopped checking because all they followed and liked were uh, adult film stars. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh my um, god. And so, yeah, I know they're an amateur team. I know they're a lower division team, but what are they? USASA, right? Something like that. Uh, ye- I I think they might be NPSL. I had it in our preview. I can't remember off the top of my head now, but either way, like if you're going to bid to host a game, which they had to do in order to host that game, then they should have provided security. And we don't know all the details, so maybe I shouldn't bury them yet. But, um, you know, the way things look is that they didn't provide ample security to the locker room. And there it goes. They are NPSL. Okay. Or no, Midland was NPA, so fuck. I don't know, man. I'm going to look it up. Let's see. <sighs> I don't care. <laughs> they, oh, I was right. They are USA, USASA. There we go. My bad, dude. My um, bad. We got one more thing to talk about here coming from the Open Cup before we move on. Let's do it. Las Vegas Lights, since we are a Lights podcast as well, <laughs> um, Las Vegas Lights fell 
fell in the U.S. Open Cup last night to the FC Golden State Force from the PDL. God. (laughs) Jesus. We were sitting there. What did I say? I texted you last night. I go, we got our first cup set. Here it is. On our way home from the game. (laughs) You know... Have you ever been to Vegas on a Wednesday? It's not it's not the most lit place, you know? Wednesdays are for rest and recovery and, and getting ready for the weekend. So uh Well, let's uh let's talk about that rest and recovery when they could have been playing Los Angeles Galaxy. Yeah. Which is what's happening for the FC Golden State Force now. <laughs> Holy hell. I really hope Zlatan plays. So do I. I really, really hope. Uh did you see everyone talking about the robots, the toy robots that they had on the shelf during the Open Cup draw presentation? I missed the robots. <laughs> I, I had it on audio only while I was listening. I don't, I shouldn't be making fun of low budget productions because like, here I am. But like, you've got, um, it looks like the set of Antique Roadshow uh, doing doing the cup draw. And then on like a bookshelf in the back corner, you have these toy robots. They look like Transformers or Gundams or something, but they have Nike logos all over them. Perfect. Uh, I think somebody said that they were made out of uh, old Nike boots and they were repurposed. But um, yeah, just quality broadcast that one. <laughs> Well, I mean, I I heard him heard him you know, asking for the crowd to cheer, and you heard like one person that was like, "The crowd, hey. <laughs> yeah." Is there um, a bar or something? I don't, I don't know. Eighty percent chance that was the camera guy. <laughs> Probably true. Or if they even had a camera guy, it was just a tripod. <laughs> um, that's hey. all I got for open cup. Magic that's, that's, of the cup. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have for Open Cup 2. Um, as far as Austin goes this week, not a lot of meaningful things coming out other than the next thing we're going to talk about. Um, so where we stand with Austin right now, if you weren't listening last week, is they're still going through all the legal processes and challenging the challenges, and it's all playing out in court right now as far as um, Anthony Precourt's team being able to leave Columbus. Um, but on the Austin side of things, it looks like the McCalla site is going to, um, you know, get that letter of intent that they need in June and, uh, you know, move forward on that space. And the only real hiccup that we've seen is the rail station looks like it's going to be more expensive than they planned. Uh, so they might be asking for city money for that. Um, but really, if, if that's the only thing that they're asking for and everything sticks to that, then it's got a pretty good shot of getting approved on the Austin side. So um that's pretty much where we stand with that speaking of austin drinking austin east ciders tonight and it is pretty freaking tasty i'm gonna be honest it's the first time that i've had it uh was last night and not today anyway um fc cincinnati appears to be getting ready for their mls announcement uh sports illustrated is reporting that fc cincinnati will join mls in 2019 um, which is obviously a pretty quick turnaround. So uh, what do you think, Larry, as far as Cincinnati and, you know, the state of Ohio suing MLS and also getting another MLS team? <laughs> what do you think mess. about this whole crazy situation? It's a mess. I mean, we I think we all figured that 
the Cincy announcement was going to come at some point. So now we yeah. potentially have a date. There, there's a press conference next week, right? Is that what it is? I think it's, there's a press conference set. They said there was going to be special guests and Don Garber's one of them. So yeah, put two, the, two together and we've probably got an announcement pending right now. The press release was FC Cincinnati and special guests. And then it lists the guests and it's all MLS people and city officials. And it's fairly clear that that's what that's going to be. Um, so I, I think the most interesting thing about this is it's not going to replace Columbus. Like you're not going to get a bunch of crew fans driving to Cincinnati. Um, but I don't think that MLS would be going back into Ohio if they weren't confident that the Modell law was not going to be upheld. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm plowing through Twitter right now trying to find it. There was a t- post earlier tonight um, in regards to Austin saying that Austin was pretty much a done deal at this point and that mm-hmm. the lawsuits were just, just stalling tactics basically and that the Cincy announcement, I can't find it. I don't know where it was. The so, Cincy announcement was just an appeasement announcement now to try and make Ohioans happy before yeah. they make the official announcement that the crew are out. Oh, I can't find it either. Did they delete it? It was oh. from the MLS and Austin supporters group. They were involved in the thread, but I can't find like where it went now. Yeah, I retweeted it too. Maybe that... Maybe it got taken down? Maybe I don't... it got taken down. I'm um... glad you saw it too, though, so I'm not crazy here and just making stuff up, but... Yeah, it was interesting that they were calling this Cincy announcement an appeasement announcement to hold things over while they finish up the Austin stuff. But we are rapidly approaching the official, the next date of our next big update for Austin. It's next Friday. So in eight days, June 1st is the deadline for all that paperwork to be in uh, with the city council. And that's when we should be hearing the next big update on what's going on with the Austin situation. I think it would certainly be an upset for things to derail on the Austin side at this point. It, um, you know, listening to shout out to the assist uh, podcast, listening to them. If, if you want really detailed, really on the ground reporting about what's going on in Austin, they um, have a podcast that's done with a few guys from the supporters group that you can find on iTunes and everywhere else called the assist. And um, they really break it down really well. And uh, it it sounds like the people that are going to these town hall meetings and talking about affordable housing and about, um, you know, parkland when that was an issue, it sounds like it's the same few people that are coming to each one. Um, And it's kind of a vocal minority, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, affordable housing is extremely important, especially in a city like Austin, where um, that's tough. I'd love to live in Austin, but it's very expensive, it very expensive. <laughs> um, compared to, to how we live where I live. Um, but uh, it, it certainly sounds like there's a commitment to find new places for that affordable housing. Um, the last thing I heard too was people on the east side um, being a little, a little upset that the stadium is yet another economic development that's going on the west side of Austin, but... Uh, they, they had their chance and they, they shot it down. So um, here we are. Anyway, 
FC Cincinnati looking like 2019, looking like they are not going to be part of that USL Central Conference that we'll probably see next year for San Antonio FC. Um, one less intimidating home venue for SAFC to play at. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We're, we're going to get more answers soon. Yeah. It's not far away at this point. Um, oh, man. Miami Freedom. <laughs> oh my god i actually i was shocked um if you follow me on twitter you've probably figured out i'm a big fan of the dan levitard show and i don't know why i'm plugging every other podcast that i listen to tonight but um i was surprised to hear them talk on their local hour about this and um pretty happy to hear that they think it the Miami freedom as a name for the MLS team sucks as much as I think it sucks. For, for those of you not watching the Periscope right now, I am like rubbing my temples and about to have an aneurysm over this name. This is the worst name for this team ever. Why? What, what are they thinking? I don't understand. <laughs> so it's so definitely... many feelings all over about this. This is so bad. My wife called me out on this when I was talking and Larry was sitting right there on speakerphone, uh, totally called me out on, my wife called me out on this earlier was, you're going to talk about me on your podcast tonight, aren't you? And I said, yes, yes, I am. Uh, my wife is, uh, her family is from Cuba. They're, uh, you know, big ties in Miami, still has a lot of family there. And I was talking to her like, this feels a little on the nose, right? Like Miami freedom, that feels a little pandery. Um, and I think she agreed with me. She kind of just ignored me and wanted me to stop talking about soccer. But uh, anyway, it, it feels like it's pandering way too hard to the Cuban population. Um, I don't know. It's, it's not my city. It's not my, uh, you know, they can name it whatever they want. But it's just a bad name. It's like it's, name. it's 1.0. How, how, mm, they don't even have a stadium site locked up yet. How can you start coming up with like, you're really going to start doing this crap? No, I, I would rather have it be Miami FC than yeah. the Miami freedom. Like, Oh God. <laughs> well, Miami FC is taken by the NASL team. And I think Miami city is taken as well. I think Miami United might be taken too. There's Maybe. so many taken in those like PDL teams and stuff. Right. There's so much gone. So let's, oh. But there has to be better than Miami Freedom. <laughs> okay, I'm going to, okay. So for those of you that don't know geographically, Fort Lauderdale is right next to Miami. Like literally like a 15 minute drive, 20 minute drive apart. The strikers are no more. There's no more Fort Lauderdale strikers. Like the strikers brand. Do, the South Beach Strikers would not be a bad name. I don't hate that, honestly. The alliteration of it, that's kind of kind of awesome. Like, the South Beach Strikers would not be a bad name for that team at all. That, that's the first thing that comes into my head. I don't, I don't know. Just put yeah. it out there. That wouldn't be too bad. I'd be pretty okay with that. It's way better than the Miami Freedom. I don't know. <laughs> hire better marketing people. Come on. Come up with something better. You can do better than this. The Miami take your yacht to the games because we're not providing any sort of parking or public transit or pretty much anyway. whatever. 
Um, yeah, there's a lot going on Miami, man. Like everyone thought it was locked down and then um, the, the Mosses came in and now they're back to looking for a location. So here we are looking like Cincinnati's going to be team number 24 instead of Miami. So mission well, accomplished. That's, that's the one thing about Cincinnati is supposedly they're starting next season. So if they can keep playing in the college stadium, I don't see why not. Like you've got a venue that's big enough and in a great location. Um, it's just like Austin potentially playing at DKR. I guess that's one bit of news. I did see reported that there's talks about uh, potentially playing at DKR, but that um, UT actually wants natural, natural grass, which is the opposite of what most NFL and uh, college football teams want. They usually want the harder turf. Um, so that could be interesting, but I'd watch a soccer game at DKR. I mean, that field's just going to get more torn up. So <laughs> yeah, they want to keep up with the upkeep on it. Then so be it. Yeah. Um, last thing. Oh my God. This is my favorite second to last thing. Um, so there's a lot of speculation about the Chicago team that's coming in to USL and that it might be part of a uh, Chicago Fire bait and switch, and that MLS and USL were working together to screw over the Bridgeview contract and blah blah blah. Um, Nelson Rodriguez, who uh, is one of the owner, the operators, sorry for Chicago Fire, um, put a statement out about the um, potential USL team. I don't. I kind of want to just read the whole thing. Is that bad? Is that do it? just reading the internet to the to the podcast um so here's his statement the first thing i would like to say is i don't think much about <laughs> already messing it up thanks austin Siders. the first thing i would like to say is i don't think about it much and i don't think much about it i've trained myself over the years to not get caught up in hypotheticals and the usl agreement has a contingency dash it's not even definite the stadium, there have been lovely illustrations, but I'm not aware of anything that's happened beyond that. I'm not aware of any approval occurred, any plans shared with anyone. Alderman Hopkins just came out and said no one has spoken to him and his constituents. So I don't know how to respond to something that like that that's out there. I do know this. I know <laughs> this is part of my favorite part. I know that Chicago is a fantastic sports market, and I know that Chicago fans appreciate all sports and all entities. If a fan wants to go see a hockey game, they can see the Wolves. If they want to see the best hockey, they can see the Blackhawks. And the same is true for us. If someone wants to see the best soccer, they're going to come see the Chicago Fire Soccer Club. How can you say that with a goddamn straight face, first off? Come on. Um, and then he really digs in here. <laughs> really digs in here. It's the reason that Forbes has valued our club at $240 million and why minor league expansion fee is 3 to $5 million. It's Chicago Fire that plays Manchester United in Soldier Field in front of a sold-out crowd. It's Chicago Fire that hosts the best all-star game in history of MLS. It's the reason why groups like CONCACAF contact us and ask us to participate in Gold Cup announcements. One is minor league, we are major league. Um, and then he goes on to talk about how they're committed to playing at Toyota Park out in the middle of nowhere. But that's my favorite part of that. Like, you're going to claim that you sold out Soldier Field when you were playing Manchester fucking United? Come on, dude. Come on. And that MLS All-Star game, I haven't looked it up, but I'm sure it was 
you know, Real Madrid or Dortmund or something that they were playing, yeah. like some major European club. I'm going to look it up right now. Oh, those are some bold claims, man. Bold <laughs> claims. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, he might be a professional, you know, and a, a division one team participant for now. I say for now, that's like, it may not be long for this world here with the Chicago fire. Um, it was real fucking Madrid. Yeah. There you go. That says it all right there. <laughs> I mean, it's not like Cristiano Ronaldo has a draw, right? I mean, people don't go to see him play. Nah, man, they're all they're about that schwaggy life. Mm. Anyway, I love love when owners open up about that because so many of them are just, you know, flying off the handle when they don't have a PR staff that's like editing some of their statements. I love it. I wish there was more of it, even though this is exactly what happens when they do it as we come out and make fun of them. But um, I stand by the fact that that USL Chicago team, if it happens the way that it's proposed, it's going to kick the fire's ass and it's going to be trouble for MLS in the Chicago market. Yeah, it could definitely cause problems up there. Be fun to watch the next (laughs) next few years. Um, last thing real quick here, Champions League this Saturday, UEFA Champions League Saturday, uh, not the prestigious CONCACAF Champions League, mm. but you have Real Madrid and Liverpool. Who you got in this game? Well, Mohamed Salah is a beast, but I don't bet against Ronaldo. Man. I don't get bet against Ronaldo. It's no, it's as simple as that. Real Madrid's going to win. I'm right there with you. That's their, it would be a three-peat, I believe. Um, best ever team to do it. I mean, how do you – they're going to fall eventually, just like the Golden State Warriors, just like the Chicago Bulls did eventually. Like, But I can't go against Cristiano Ronaldo. That's, that's the problem is I can't, I can't go against Ronaldo. That's – I will say, I for anyone watching the Periscope stream, this is very obvious, but I'm a Tottenham fan. Um, but I do really enjoy seeing Jurgen Klopp's enthusiasm for everything involving football. Like, I wish that I could get that excited about almost anything in my life as he gets excited about his, his Liverpool. But, um, yeah, I, I think Real Madrid's got it. We will see, though. Uh, yeah we're so cultured talking about europe on our texas soccer podcast look at us go i i'm not willing to put out a score prediction for this game but i don't bet against ronaldo yeah i'm right there with you yeah it will probably be something low if i had to guess it's not going to be seven one blowout or anything like that but we will see anything else you want to talk about tonight before we Head off into the sunset. I think let's call tonight. All right. Well, thank you again to Roughneck Scarves for sponsoring the podcast. Um, they are the official supplier to MLS, USL, and US soccer when it comes to scarves. You can get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Uh, thank you again to them. Thank you to the Beautiful Game Network for supporting what we do and helping to help us make this silly little show that we have so much fun doing um thank you most of all to you who have listened to the full 65 minutes here um we're five minutes in extra time um 
thank you for listening. Thank you for participating on Twitter at TX Soccer Radio, um, at Larry Leathers 87 and at Kyle underscore Mankey. Um, it's very fun to get to chat with you every week and, uh, you know, to see what you're thinking and see what you're feeling. And even if it dis- even if we're disagreeing, I appreciate it. So, um, yeah. Oh, one little thing. I'm doing a little thing. You'll see more about it in the next week, probably. Um, calledoffside.com is going to be a thing. You can uh, follow on Twitter. Be one of the first ones at calledoffside if you want to be in the know. Right now, I'm pretty sure there's just a gif of George Clooney on there. So. Hashtag ad. Hashtag sponsored. Big money. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we will see you next Thursday. Have a good week. Later.